Hey gang, Scott Glockenstein here from uh, The Scholars, The Littlest Man Band, Real Big Fish, most likely is what you know. Uh, my parents also, uh, they, they, they had a wild night at one point, And then in 1977, nine months later, I was born. Uh, so originally from there. Uh, and uh, you're listening to uh, my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. And this is part one. I'm expecting part two and three. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me tonight as guest curator is Scott Kloppenstein, an amazing musician whose resume includes The Scholars, Real Big Fish, and The Littlest Man Band. Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad. I'm super glad to be here. This is going to be fun. I can't wait. Now, I want to start by asking you the same question I ask all my guests. Sure, sure. Scott, what does the word mixtape mean to you? I mean, it's how I discovered most of the music that I discovered when I was a kid. It's how you show a girl you like her. It's how you, you know, make friends. It's, it kind of was, you know, I mean, we always had it as it was an art form. And you had to have a dual tape deck, obviously. Yep. You know, and then you get to write and create the J card that went inside, call the J card because it was in the shape of a J. Yes, sir. Um, and I mean, it took days sometimes to really put together a proper mixtape, depending on who it was for, you know. So it, it was a really fun, creative process. And I don't know if there was ever a greater compliment than getting a mixtape. Not for me, there wasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, like if somebody gave you a mixtape, you felt like you really meant something to that person. So with friends, it was like, whoa, this person's really cool. And you could roll the dice. I mean, like, and really turn somebody off too. They'd be like, oh, I don't know if we're mixtape. It's like, oh, I mean, it's just a friend mixtape, you know. Yeah, there it's like you a go. Massage. It's like, you know, it means something. Well, tonight, you and I are going to work together to craft the ultimate ska punk mixtape. And given your years on the scene, touring and recording with the bands I mentioned earlier, we're probably going to talk about some of those tonight as well. I'm very yeah. curious to know, what were you looking for in the songs that you're bringing to the conversation tonight? Um, oh, I mean, that's a great question. I think more will be revealed as we go. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll see. I feel like I'm a little, uh, I'm going to be grasping in the dark, although I know where I want to start because it's kind of where I started as a kid to like kind of get into music that wasn't pop music, especially. But yeah, that kind of like floated my boat. And then, I mean, it kind of depends on what you pick next. And then I'll go from, you know, I have no plans. I'm open to the experience. And we'll try not to make it a real boring podcast of me going, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I have a friend I did a podcast for it. Her advertisement for it was me doing a lot of those. It's like talking with Scott Kloppenstein is always riveting. And then it was me going, uh, 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 you know, you know, you know, I was like, thanks, Jen. But she's an old dear friend. So it was a good stand. Well, I will make sure we don't do that tonight. So let's get down to business. As I mentioned, Scott and I are going to be curating the ultimate ska punk mixtape, and we're going to use that old cassette deck approach. 
Beautiful. Scott, as my special guest, will begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up that choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with Scott choosing second. Our overall goal for this episode is to craft the best ska punk mixtape possible through only 20 songs. And at the end of the show, you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com and giving our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. And a few of our Patreon members chimed in with what they feel would best kick off a ska punk mixtape. And I want to shout out a few of those. Ben from the Too Vague podcast chimed in with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Where'd You Go? Mm-hmm. Mally Hart chimed in with Less Than Jake's Great American Sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Cactus Pete chimed in with the Mighty Boss Tones, The Impression I Get. And Kevin Seeker chimed in by saying he wanted to kick things off with something early, so he went with Madness, One Step Beyond. Yeah. Also, some of the fellow mixtapers who follow me on social media have chimed in with their ideal opening tracks for a ska punk mixtape. And just to give a small sample of what some of those picks included, we're talking about Goldfingers here in your bedroom, Catch 22's Dear Sergio, Bully Rags Jump Up in a Fashion, Five Iron Frenzies O Canada, Less Than Jake's Johnny Quest Thinks for Sellouts. MC Lars, This Gigantic Robot Kills, The Planet Smashers Blind, Ruts Staring at the Rude Boys, The Skints Mindless, The Specials Little Bitch, Sponge Kicking Pigeons, Streetlight Manifesto's Point and Counterpoint, and Sublime's Santeria. And remember, you can always connect with me at all the social media haunts at my weekly mixtape. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. 
So Scott, with all that musical food for thought out in the atmosphere, I'm officially pressing the record button on our mixtape. The floor is yours. Why don't you dive into the song that you are choosing to kick off side A? For me, it's got to start with Three Minute Hero by The Selector. I feel like this may have been the first ska tune I ever heard. I actually heard it outside of my friend Tyler Jacobs's. It was the first time I heard a song that I knew, like, I was like, well, like I'd heard English beat on the Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtrack, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like when you hear it in a soundtrack, you kind of, I don't know why it sits in a different world. It's, you know, it helps tell the story or what have you, but I was sitting on the stairs waiting for my friend Tyler Jacobs and his older brother, Christian, who actually winds up being Christian Jacobs, who is the bat commander from the Aquabats. Nice. To take us to go to toilet paper, our friend's house. And he said, he came home from skating and he's like, all right, I'll take you guys in a minute. And we sat on the stairs where we could see into his room and he sat there and he put on, I think it was a mixtape actually, but he put on a tape. And the first thing I heard was Three Minute Hero by The Selector. He then proceeded to listen to a whole A side of a mixtape and just sat on his bed and stared while we sat there and waited for him. It was the weirdest thing I've ever, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen anybody do. But I heard Three Minute Hero and I was like, what is this? Like, what is happening here? Which it just like lit me up. You know, I mean, it's like, and then not long after, uh, well, we'll get into that. But, but Three Minute Hero, it's just a great chorus. It's a great energy song. Three Minute Hero. I love the selector. I love the way you're starting things off. We're kind of going a little bit old school here to kick things off before you get into that 90s style. And I think what I'm going to do is follow you up using that same mindset. I'm going to go with Mm -hmm. a band that I've seen perform with Real Big Fish in the past and a song that Real Big Fish has covered by this band and this exact song on your 2009 album, Fame, Fortune, and Fornication. I'm going to go with the original, the English beat, Twist and Crawl. I feel like that groove is truly that two-tone ska sound that really gets you moving, it gets you dancing, it gets you grooving, but there's still a heft to that song there's still yeah. a rock element and you can hear when you get into that third wave of ska where the influence came from and i feel like the english beat even though they veered a little bit into the new wave sound when they did save it for later when you listen to 1980s i just can't stop you truly hear that ska vibe throughout the whole album and i feel like this is a very influential album so what i'd like to ask you is because you guys recorded a cover of the song, obviously it meant something to you guys musically to oh, yeah. create your own version of it. So I'd love to hear what you think about this one. English beat, amazing. Again, we're talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Save It for Later. I mean, I mean, the, the interesting thing is it's like I'm going to most likely throughout this list, it's going to be like when I got to me. Because we toured with Dave a bunch. And uh, the first time I met Dave was when... Dave Wakelin, sorry. Yes. Was when he was doing some re-recording of stuff. And, or maybe we did play a show together. I can't recall. Oh, no. They opened for us at a place called the Galaxy Theater here in, in Southern California for something. And I was like, what is the English beat doing opening for us? This is insanity. Like, this doesn't make any sense, which is my feeling for every time one of these incredibly important seminal ska bands opened for it. it was just stupid. It didn't make any sense. 
uh, still doesn't. But uh, <laughs> meeting Dave and like, he's such a nice dude. And then he was like, hey, I'm re-recording some stuff. Would you guys want to come play horns on it? And we were like, yeah. And so we went to his home and we, you know, met his wife and like hung out at his house and joked around and learned these tunes and worked and like, then we started this real friendship with Dave and like, and his band and like just the nicest and most incredible person. One of the things I think was always important to us in real big fish was we were students as much as we could be without the internet of ska music. And the best way we got exposed to like who they were influenced by and what they knew about it was yeah. Getting to meet selector and getting to meet, Dave and the English beat, you know, and Neville Staple from the specials and talk about what that two-tone era, that second wave, that that whole thing was like. And it was not only humbling, but it was also, I mean, they appreciated what we were doing. And so a lot of these bands, they not only hold a special place in lighting up my mind creatively, but also in then like sort of passing a torch in a way to this incredible culture and musical style, which, I mean, I don't know if there's anything more valuable than having the people who like who were the early custodians of this beautiful form of music to then say, hey, we see you, we appreciate you, and we give you the nod. You know, so it's a deep, deep, like love and admiration in my heart for, for the English beat as well as the selector, for sure. All right, and now we toss it back to you to follow up with track three. So, I mean, I feel like I'm doing this chronologically in my mind because I think it's important. It's also just any kind of structure I think is going to help. Party at Ground Zero by Fishbone. Nice. Because once I had said, oh my gosh, that music is amazing, my friend Tyler, who was then like, well, let me get you some Fishbone. And I was like, okay. And so he got me Fishbone. And then all of a sudden, like Fishbone does, my mind was blown even further. Because not only was it incredible ska music, but it was soul and funk and unmistakably, just unbelievable musicianship with energy that was incredible. And they were from LA, which was like everybody that I had listened to before was all from the UK. I was like, oh, ska happens here. And so it's like, you know, it was like, oh, all of a sudden. And that was actually my introduction to sort of to the fact that the ska scene was something that was happening locally as well. But that party, that energy, the fun of where, you know, I listened to a lot of Weird Al Yankovic when I was a kid. Of course. And the tongue in cheek, the darkness and the light that Weird Al plays with. I was like, oh, it's in ska music, too. You know, where you've got this thing and you're dancing and it's great, but you're talking about politics and inequality and, and just all sorts of stuff. So it was, yeah, Party at Ground Zero. What a great tune. It's funny you mentioned Weird Al Yankovic because that was something I always felt like I heard that sense of humor coming through in Real Big Fish's music. And that's probably a reason I gravitated to it because I, being the same age as you, grew up with Weird Al as well. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I Love the fact that we're going chronologically here, but now I want to throw a bomb into this. Sure, sure, sure. Jump way ahead, completely leapfrog the 90s third wave ska scene, and I want to go all the way to 2012. 
Okay. And I want to give love to a band that was originally from Boston, but now they're based out of Amsterdam because I feel like this song coming out of Fishbone musically just works really well. And I'm going to go with Jaya the Cat. Here comes the drums from 2012's New International Sound of Hedonism. I feel like bringing in that newer vibe with that extra reggae feel is a little bit of a left turn. But it still definitely holds that attitude that Fishbone brought to the table. So, yes, I right. totally leapfrogged the entire 90s third wave, but I know we're going to come back to it. I'm not worried at all. But I feel like this song definitely has that vibe that pays homage to the 80s sound that we're talking about here, that second wave ska sound, but yeah. also takes us into the future because there are a lot of bands that have come out in the last 15 years that are carrying the torch for ska music now. And I feel like being able to bounce back and forth between the two, there's still a musical conversation to play here. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that makes me want to move to sort of that same thing with this great band called Frighteners. And their song, Always, it's the title track off of their 2022 release. Unbelievable. Unbelievable band. I have yet to meet these cats. I discovered them. I was putting on a slint and I have, I always have my, uh, my music on continue. So it's like after I finish an album, it just goes into shuffle of whatever stuff that I'm not listening to. And the next thing that came on was Frighteners. And I was like, what am I listening to right now? Like, what is this? And it was soulful and it was kind of throwback. And yet at the same time, like still like, yeah, it was just great. And I think this band, they're so groovy. I mean, I listen to a lot more like reggae style soul these days because I'm a 46 year old man. You and me both. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, I mean, like I still love my ska punk and my like more upbeat stuff. But uh, while I'm dusting or cleaning the kitchen or, you know, sitting and staring out a window. It's like, you know, it's a lot more of the, yeah, the Frighteners are, they're on regular rotation in our house. All right. Well, then I'm going to follow that up with something that's been on regular rotation in my house for a few years now, because it's my youngest daughter's favorite band. Now, while most fathers who have 10 and 14 year old daughters, you would think that it would be the Taylor Swift's of the world that would be consuming the music in a household. But in my house... It's Amy Interrupter and the Interrupters playing all the time. My 10-year-old knows every word to every Interrupter song, and one of her favorites is She's Kerosene. I got to take both of my girls to the Stone Pony in New Jersey in Asbury Park, and during She's Kerosene, we're up in front, and they blow the confetti into the crowd. My daughter's sitting on my wife's shoulder, screaming along to every word. It was that first moment where I got to look at my daughter at a concert, totally engulfed in the music. And I kid you not, the hair on my arm is standing up as I'm telling you this story. And I'm getting like a little choked up because seeing my kids love music the way I do is a beautiful thing. And the fact that we get to share love for a band together, where it's not just like my 14 year old, she brings me a lot of stuff that she listens to, which is regular top 40 and I'm fine with it because we are finding some common ground. But when there's something where I bring it to them and they're like, yeah, dad, this ain't that bad. You actually know what you're talking about here. 
it, <laughs> it, it really warms my heart. So I'm going to follow up Frighteners with the Interrupters. She's Kerosene from 2018's Fight the Good Fight. All right. All right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Let's see. Ooh. Oh, man. And now I'm like, I feel like I should have certain things memorized a little better. Because for me, it is very, I, I do do that thing where I'm like, I'm always trying to find that space between what I'm digging and then what my kids dig, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, oh God, what song is it? Hold on. This is, this is where I got to like, well, so I like Major Laser because of like the bringing in of the reggae and my kids dig it because it's also got a modern thing to it. So I would say the 2009 Major Laser can't stop now. And that's definitely leaning into that reggae sound a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's strange because we've been talking now, we're almost through side A and we've been living kind of in the reggae second wave sound for a lot of this mix, which is very interesting because a lot of people, when you talk ska, because of the explosion of the third wave, I assumed most people, because when they chimed in, a lot of people chimed in third wave, third wave, third wave. Totally. And the fact that we're going outside of that a little bit, I think is amazing because there is a lot more than the third wave and that's zero disrespect <laughs> to the third wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I think I'm going to do is bring in some third wave here with Perfect. one of the bands that was a label mate with you on Mojo Records. And it's a yeah. band that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, one of the best producers in punk rock music. I'll say it hands down. I'm going to go with Goldfinger. And I'm going to yeah. go off of the album Hang Ups. And I'm going to go with Superman. Because to me, oh, that song is just a ska punk anthem. And I love the fact that Mike Carrera, who's from MXPX, but also plays bass now in Goldfinger, has recorded an acoustic version of the song. And what I find fascinating is that you don't hear the ballad in it until you heard him reimagine it. And it's like, wow, this this song works both ways and it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, John is such a great songwriter and like he's such a great craftsman as far as like producing and writing and I mean, he's, he, I learned so much from that guy. I mean, I mean, not only do I owe him my career because he was the one that helped get real big fish side. Oh, really? Yeah. So we were playing this show at a place called the barn in Riverside in Southern California. And John came to the show and I remember like, I don't know where anybody else was, but I was sitting at the merch table and I was selling merch at my turn and signing stuff. And this dude comes up to me, he goes, hey, man, you guys are really good. I was wondering if I could get your phone number to like, you know, and I'm like a 17 year old kid and I, he's like a grown man. And I'm like, I'll <laughs> I give you my manager's number. Like, I don't know you. And so he's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, yeah, cool. So, yeah, he was the one he was like, you guys are great. Like, you need to be signed. You need to be like doing this like you're great. And it was just like. John was our champion and got us signed on Mojo and got us connect. Yeah, John. And so, I mean, I talked to John relatively a few times a year and, you know, see him around the holidays and stuff like that. He's a, he's a good friend and we have a lot of similar friends and stuff like that. And he's just down for the cause. He's down to help people. He loves ska music. He loves punk music and he loves music. Like he just, he wants to like participate in a positive and useful way. And, um, he never stops. I mean, he's always sounds a little out of breath. He's like, Hey stuff, it's John. And that's how we, because he's so full of like exuberance that you're like, wow. 
it's exciting. Being around John is a very, it's very exciting. I can imagine that because every album, when I see an album that's coming out that he's produced, I will buy it sight unheard because I know what he brings to his productions. And my daughter recently discovered, I'm using quote marks when I say discovered, but about a year and change ago, she's like, dad, I just discovered this new artist, Avril Lavigne. And I chuckled because I'm like, sweetie, Avril Lavigne was around 20 years ago. And she goes, no, no, no new song so i looked it up and i'm like john fellman produced this i went to the store i said let's go buy it for you and you knew it was going to be great because what he brings to the table he really know he has an ear for what the songs need and it was easily avril lavigne's best album since her first one i loved it yeah john's been working with avril for a while and like yeah they have a really great relationship she knows how to embody his writing and like he knows how to write for her that kind of thing is always like incredible. Well, you've got one last song for side A. One last song for side A. Um, well, then, I mean, let's keep the energy going. And I got to go with uh, the Boston's. It was brought up, but going kind of like 93. Don't know how to party Boston's, which is where I discovered the Boston's with someday, okay. I suppose. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because it was also like, I don't know that I had ever heard ska like that. You know what I mean? Like the Boston's were something else, you know, it was that someday, someday, yes, yeah, you know, it was almost like the closest thing I could think that was like that would be like Rocket from the Crypt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Rocket has horns, but they're not by any stretch of the imagination a ska band. But it was just like this, like, oh. And it wasn't oi, you know what I mean? It wasn't op ivy, it wasn't that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I will always, again, Boston's special place in my heart, just groundbreaking and like eye-opening and melodically unmistakable, like knew how to work melody and rhythm in a way that was just their own thing, you know? And that comes a lot from like, Nate, the guitar player at the time, and Dennis Trump. I mean, like Hollywood, all those cats were like Joe Kittle. Just what a great band. What a great band. Uh, And Dickie, just the funnest front man you ever saw. And what a vocal style. So gravelly. Oh, yeah. And then Ben just dancing. I mean, like, that's the funny thing is I was like, I remember the first time seeing the Boston's and being like, oh, what is that guy's deal? And I was like, wait a second. And then I rewatched the video and I was like, oh, he's not playing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it was Ben, their tour manager. Really? And he just became kind of the dancing. (laughs) Ben started as their tour manager. Yeah. That's a great legacy to have though. What did you, what did you do for the last 30 years? I I, I danced rock and roll, baby. Danced and tour managed, you know? I mean, he had people work in front of house and, and, you know, all the sound and everything. And he's like, oh, I guess I can just dance. And I, I mean, eventually, yeah, but it's pretty funny. Well, you scooped me on the band. I had two songs that I was bouncing back and forth with. Obviously, the impression I get because that was the one that really exploded on the scene. And The Rascal King, which I also loved, both from 1997's Let's Face It, great album. And then when my cover song Itch gets into me, I could have even used their cover of Detroit Rock City from the Kiss My Ass album that came out, the Kiss Tribute because yeah. they just slayed that one as well. Because those guys could rock on top of the punk, yeah. on top of the ska. So I mean, you even could have gone. Where did Where did you go? 
Yep. I mean, any of these bands, you can put a million stinking songs on this thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, oh, oh God, what am I thinking now? Well, I have the distinct pleasure of getting to close out side A. You're going to be closing out the night with closing out side B. But I promise okay. you, I'm not picking this song to kiss your ass. I promise you I'm picking this song because it is truly one of my favorites. And I okay. am going to go off of Real Big Fish's 1996 Turn the Radio Off album. Oh, and wow. I am going with Beer. All right. This song is everything I love about ska. I will tell you the story. We were down, my buddies and I decided to take a road trip down to Wildwood, New Jersey to go to the boardwalks for the day. <laughs> Jersey Shore. Drove two and a half hours down to the Jersey Shore. We spent the whole day on the beach, spent the night on the boardwalk. And at the end of the night, about 10 minutes before we're going to leave, we go up to one of these the spin the wheel booths. Sure, I sure. Threw a dollar down. I placed my quarters. They spun the wheel and I won. And I got to pick out, it was a CD. Any CD I wanted. And I picked out, turned the radio off, and we listened to it six times in a row, driving back home that night. And I instantly fell in love with the band and the music. And this song was the one that jumped out at me immediately. And then it even got more amplified when I saw it in basketball in the late 90s, the Trey Parker, Matt Stone movie. So I right. would love to hear what this song meant for you guys as a band and how it, I don't want to say defined a career, but I know sellout was the big radio hit, but beer was always felt like to me, the fan favorite seeing real big fish at least a dozen times over the years. This to me always felt like the song of the night. Well, yeah. And it's funny too. I was just talking with somebody about it as I'm like scrolling through, I'm trying to think, um, I'm like, Oh, what else is there? You know, that song was never a single. Yeah. We never put it out on the, I mean, like, arguably, like, our most popular song ever. <laughs> and, like, somehow it just, I mean, it just, nobody, it's baffling to me. I don't understand how that worked out, but it, it just did. And I was actually just talking with Aaron about, we've both said this to each other, and, and I think we've maybe said it publicly as well. It's a weird thing. To have anything you've done considered a hit. It's just weird. I mean, I think Aaron and I both play this game, and I was we were actually talking to Chris from Less Than Jake about this whole thing, too, where it's like people just say hit, and then in your mind, you compare it to hits, you know? And you're like, well, that's a hit. This is not a hit. And it's like, we could go on to Spotify and see what the streaming numbers are, and it's a hit. By most stretches of the imagination, by no stretch of the imagination is it a hit. But it's a weird thing to see a song that you wrote with your friends and played in front of 50 people. And we're so stoked. We're just like, I'll do 50 people. <laughs> and then watch that number go. It's humbling. It's exciting. It's terrifying. There's a little bit of a. And I mean, I think this isn't news to anybody when it comes to like bands and like if they have a couple songs that are like their big thing. And, and we're lucky that most of our fans have a pretty decent love and respect for a majority of our catalog, you know, and they want to hear a lot more. But let's face it, like the crowd that never screams the loudest is the when they scream for beer 
or maybe take on me or maybe sell out. But it's like, it was one of those things where there would be times where that's all people wanted to hear. And so we would, because we don't play by anyone's rules, play it nine times in a row. And nobody got tired of it. And it became funny and tragic all at the same time. And it's like, you're trying to like screw with people, but then you can't because they just love the song so much. And you're like, well, this is, come on. <laughs> but what an honor for anybody to say anything we do or did, or, you know, it means as much as some of our songs and beer in particular has meant to people. Yeah, that's a rare gift because it's, I don't think it's just that the song is good. I think for some reason we wrote it and it hit people at the right time in the right way. We were so fortunate to be, you know, some of it, what is luck? It's like preparation meets timing or something like that. Yeah. We were just, it was, it was right. And, um, what a blessing, what an honor, like something to just be like eternally grateful for. And like constantly like try never to take it for granted, which is, of course, like impossible because we're all egomaniacal sociopaths, <laughs> but um, it's rad. It's great. I'm just rattling now, but it's, yeah, it's what an absolute honor and pleasure to have made something that meant so much to so many people. It truly does. And that mixtapers concludes side A of our ska punk mixtape, which kicked off with the selectors, three minute hero, the English beat twist and crawl fishbone party at ground zero Jaya the Cat, Here Comes the Drums, Frighteners Always, The Interrupters, She's Kerosene, Major Lasers, Can't Stop Now, Goldfinger's Superman, The Mighty Mighty Boston, Someday I Suppose, and Real Big Fish, Beer. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, before we flip our proverbial mixtape over to side B, Scott, I'd like to take a minute to talk about the Littlest Man Band. Oh, okay. Yeah. In 2022, you remastered and re-released your 2004 album, Better Bookends. I'd like to go back to when you were recording that album, because at the time you were in between Real Big Fish's Cheer Up and We're Not Happy Until You're Not Happy. And musically, this was a really big departure from what you were doing with real big fish. So what I love about the album is the jazzy contemporary pop sounds that you kind of fused with the hints of rock punk and the brass elements that you were used to hearing in real big fish. When you were writing this music, was there a mindset that you were in when you were saying, you know what, this isn't real big fish, but this is definitely me. And I need to make this happen. How did that all come together? Really organically. I mean, I don't force anything. Like, I just don't believe in it. I have so many different sounds that go around in my head and influences and stuff like that, as many musicians do. But yeah, I feel like I just heard this thing and kind of followed it. And then when I got my friends together to do it, it started to kind of take this other shape. I mean, I picked people in particular for what I knew they were capable of. And once we had, we had like four tunes or five tunes to start with. And then like, once I heard the band play those, then all of a sudden my wheels started really turning and it was like, just everything else wrote itself so quickly that I just hear things really big. And I hear things generally all 
done in my head. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of the way it's always been. But that was just how it sounded in my head. None of it was really intentional. There were times in Real Big Fish where I would want to take certain chances or try certain things. And Aaron was like, yeah, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, no, it's no problem. And I was lucky enough to get drunk again and average man recorded. And I kind of felt like those two kind of told me that I was heading in the direction where there was a little more, yeah, just a different thing than like Real Big Fish was was focused on. And I mean, I didn't really expect anybody to care. <laughs> I kind of, I operate from that perspective most of the time is it's like, I got to do what I got to do. I can't be worried if anybody cares. And we were very fortunate that people cared and still do. I mean, I, you know, we didn't know if anybody would care if we re- remastered and re-released better bookends. And it's amazing that people have, I mean, we've sold a ton of the vinyl and like, you know, the numbers on all the Spotify on all the streaming services shot up and, and all sorts of stuff. It's been, I don't know. It's again, it comes, I come back to this thing where it's like, I always keep this thing in the back of my mind. It's not how many it's that anyone at all cares. Like I got to do this thing because if I don't, I go nuts. And so if it connects or means something to one or a couple people, then great. Then I've done my job, but I have some, for some unbeknownst reason been lucky enough to create things that more than just a couple people like i mean i'm not gonna stop i don't know how i tried i tried for a little while i stopped making music for uh, about three years when i uh, had kids at first and and my wife begged me to get back to work um <laughs> she was like please you're a miserable human being i was like i know um, <laughs> i think what it winds up being to make a really short story long I'm just trying to make the music I want to hear that I don't yet. It's like, I would love to sound like so many bands that I do enjoy. Oh my gosh. But they're already doing that. I'm a huge Queens of the Stone Age fan. Love Queens. Love just, yeah. Great band, great band. And I'm always like, oh, I just feel like none of, like I never write anything like that. And then I had somebody point out recently that like your songs, your melodies and stuff. There are times where it's really Queens of the Stone Age. And I was like, yay. <laughs> I was like, good, great. Because I always feel like I don't get it there. And now I hear it a lot in a lot of the things I'm doing. But yeah, I'm just trying to make something that I don't hear because I don't want to recreate something that already has been. And I'm trying to surprise myself more than anything and see if I can like really bear figure out how I expose the deeper human parts of myself in order to make other people feel comfortable to expose the deeper human parts of themselves to create more catharsis and community. Your mindset to music is the exact same mindset I have with this podcast. I'm doing this podcast because I love it and I'm not happy when I don't do it. But if people are listening That is a bonus, and that just puts a bigger smile on my face each and every week. And I'll also agree with you that I don't know if I could hear the song Always Same on a Real Big Fish album. I feel like it works perfectly as a Littlest Man Band song because it is a departure from Real Big Fish, but I can understand why this album needed to happen. The only critique I will give is that 
being a person who owns 4,500 CDs and has been mm-hmm. searching for better bookends on CD for the better part of two decades, I was really hoping that there would have been a CD pressing with the latest remaster. That's a very small oh, quibble yeah. on my part. Very, very small. I understand. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's not there. Um, <laughs> you know, we haven't seen the demand for CD yet. I understand. Um, I may have a box or two somewhere that I, I'll look for. That would be amazing. That has been a bucket list check off that I've been looking to do for now two decades. And it's literally, I have the album digitally, but it's not the same because I have a full yeah. CD stereo set up that I like to, it's my listening area. And that's kind of like, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. I'm a guy from the nineties as much as I love vinyl and I had cassettes and mixtapes growing up. CDs is where I fell into my element. But more importantly, back to the Littlest Man Band, the band is back in action now. Yeah. And I'd like to talk about some of the new tunes that you've released over the most recent time period. The first being a song called Just Like You, which is a jazzy rocker that has, and I mean this as an absolute compliment, a touch of the 90s swing revival and almost a contemporary pop sound to it I fall in love again she's gotta be just like you graceful and delicate cause nothing less will do a certain something hidden behind bright eyes the sweetest tenderness that never dies and now I just works so damn well it's dare i say it it's my favorite littlest man band song ever and it's your newest single oh wow thank you so kindly i only have weeks to digest this song and it instantly rocketed to the top it's just such a powerful powerful tune oh thank you so much yeah i mean i wrote that with the original littlest man band and we never got around to recording it so it was like when we were like, what are we recording next? I was like, well, let's do one of the newer ones and let's do one of the older ones. And I kind of think, feel like there's some stuff that we never got to release back then that I think I really want to get to. But it's a song actually I wrote about my wife before we were even dating. Wow. And it actually, she came to see me at a show. She came to see Willow's Man Band play at a show in Long Island. And she saw the saw it. And then my drummer went up to her afterwards and he's like, you know that last song we played? She, yeah. That's about you, you know. And she was like, oh. And so she went home actually that night and broke up with her boyfriend. Wow. That's the way to do it, man. That's epic style right there. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, I mean, I feel bad for her ex. I didn't mean to, I didn't, I didn't mean to write it that good. Um, yeah. And so it was like, for my wife, I also wanted to record it. And we had such fantastic musicians on those recordings. I mean, we had Tony Austin who plays in, in Kamati Washington's band. Dennis Ham, who plays with Thundercat, Ed Campworth, who plays in the Long Beach Dub All Stars, mm-hmm. 
And then the Littlest Man Van Horn section, which is a cat named Edgar Guadiana, who he's also in a band called Twin Temple, which is a satanic doo-wop band. And then Tavis Wirtz from Real Dig Fish. Yep. Uh, and then a guy named uh, Adam Liebrich Johnson, who uh, is one of my trombone players. And then John Avila from Oingo Boingo and the first two Real Dig Fish albums produced it. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And with that track, you also had a single, Sidle Up, which has yeah. that balance of that contemporary pop delivery with a modern energy across the whole song. Is that kind of the style you go for in the Littlest Man Band, or is that just a coincidence? Because these songs, like I said, and when I say contemporary pop, it's weird to say Frank Sinatra, but it's that element of cool with the delivery. It's a suave delivery over this music that is a little heavier and a little more weighty. So it's a really cool balance. It's just the way it comes out. Yeah. I don't know. I try not to overthink this stuff, because if I do, I'll never get anything done. Um <laughs> You know, I mean, like right now we're in the midst of demoing another song to record and I've been overthinking it because I've had it for a while. I'm not even done with the lyrics yet. And we've already demoed it like seven times. And it's like this final time we're like, okay, I think this is probably it. But I mean, we had to play with a bunch of tempos and weirdness. And I was like, I think I'm overthinking it. And Vince Walker, who's my like my right hand, who's just kind of he's there to keep me from going insane and also just unbelievably talented and he goes, you know, I, I, I think this is it. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, I think we're good. And I go, okay. Because I need someone to, that, there to tell me to stop sometimes. Because mm-hmm. this, is, this is an idea machine that never turns off. So, I mean, we've got a good, probably 16 tunes to record. Nice. Um, Very cool. Just finding the time and energy and, and money. Most of the problem. Uh, of course. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, leave the overthinking to the podcasters like me, because that's what I do. I sit around and think about this stuff all the time. You just keep cranking out great music. Now, along with the Littlest Man Band, you've been keeping busy in other avenues as well. You re-recorded as a solo the song that you did, Average Man with Real Big Fish. You re-recorded that. I just became a member of a club known as the Bumbling Fools. Watching the game and the best things in life is the motto and the I'm your average man. You also reunited with Real Big Fish members Aaron Bennett, Rylan Steen, and Dan Regan on a song No Hope by Loser. Can you talk about how that track came together? Uh, well, Chris Grau is a friend of mine and, and a, a dear friend, actually. And so when he asked, I just said, yes. Well, uh, and I sang on a few of his tunes. And one of them is the one that, is it No Hope that's in the Clerks 3? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, he's just I, I love Chris's stuff. And we, we he, he kind of he tour managed me and babysat me when I did some stuff going out. I need a lot of hand holding. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he's just, he's just I think he's a great songwriter and he's just got this fun approach to things. So when he asked me, I was like, absolutely. I mean, my manager was obviously like, what's it was there a contract? And I said, no. And he's like, do you want me to fail? Um, so, you know, um, but Chris is great and he's toured with real big fish. He toured with real big fish before in a band, the maxis. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's just one of those guys. He's been around. He shoots like every music video in the Scott scene lately. And, uh, yeah, he's just a mensch, just a mensch. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask one question because of your connection that you've stayed in touch with Aaron over the years. I know he's come on one of your live streams that you do on Twitch I know you haven't been in the band for a long time, but the band has been quiet since the Life Sucks Let's Dance album and tour that happened in 2018. Has there been any movement? Is Real Big Fish still active? Are they working on new stuff? Do you know anything that, again, I'm not trying to be TMZ here. I'm just a fan who no, loves no, the band. No, no, no. So I know. I mean, I see, I talk with Aaron. You know, he's, he's like a brother to me. All I know is that it's like that guy hasn't taken a break for himself since we started and like he's been on the road or in the studio or working every single day since he was 19 years old Mm -hmm. and you know and he's 26 now (laughs) and and it's like he's taking a well-deserved like time to do some things slowly and i mean every time i see him we you know we hang out we get lunch we you know we i go down you know where he is he comes up where i am we hang out like he's just He's as happy as can be. And, you know, he and his, his girl and, and his dog. And it's like the future of that situation. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he knows. I don't know if anybody knows. But I know Aaron. And he is one of the most creative people I've ever known in my entire life. And uh, there will probably be a spark at some time. And, you know, I mean, and he and I have spoken about many things. So 
There's no promises. I can't say anything, yes or no, in any direction. All I know is that Aaron and I enjoy each other's company. And I know that he's in his heart of hearts, a creative person. Awesome. Well, with that, let's jump into side B because we have been talking a lot now. And I'm going to yeah, kick yeah, yeah. off. I get the joy of kicking off side B. And being from New Jersey, I want to show some New Jersey love to start off side yeah, yeah. B. And I'm going to go to East Brunswick, New Jersey. And I'm going to, that's right down the street for me, about 35 minutes down the road with a band at the time in 1998 was known as Catch 22, who then became Streetlight Manifesto. This song was recorded by both bands, but I'm going to go with the original 1998 title track, Keysby Nights, to kick off side B. Just a nice. fun, upbeat, dark lyrically, but fun sing along. When you listen to the lyrics, you're like, what am I singing? And what am I so upbeat and happy about? It's just yeah. one of those great, fun, third wave ska songs. And I love the fact because everyone talked about the ska scene being Orange County, Orange County. And it that was the bulk of it. But New Jersey had some say in this matter. And I love the fact. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Represent Catch-22, Keysby Nights. Nice. Well, that actually kind of works with what I was thinking next, which was... Keeping it East Coast, even though he now lives on the West Coast, is going with uh, the reworking of his album No Dream to Ska Dream, the Jeff Rosenstock uh, uh, song Ska Dream from Ska Dream. I love Jeff. Jeff is what a prolific and talented songwriter and, and performer. I've seen Jeff Rosenstock play a few times and... I saw him play just him and an acoustic guitar in front of like 700 people. And it was just as good as if when he played in front of 700 people with the band. Like he's just phenomenal. And I, I love Jeff's work all over the place. And he's been, I mean, you know, like he's important to the Scott scene from the late 90s to now too. It's, it's like with, you know, Bomb the Music Industry and Bruce Lee. But I mean, you know, it's like he's been doing it. Love the fact that you're going with an influential name here because my next pick is going to jump on that and I'm going to follow okay. your influential because this is a band that was influential because of where they came from already, which was Op mm -hmm. Ivy, but then Rancid. I feel like you can't talk about punk and ska together without bringing up Rancid. So I'm going to go to 1995, my senior year in high school. And Out Come the Wolves, I'm going with Time Bomb, a song that literally every time I hear it, I am brought right back to senior year in high school. The song has such strong memories for me. It's such a catchy, infectious tune. And it's a little different than the third wave, Scott, because Rancid kind of went on their own path. They were definitely leaning more towards the punk side of things. But when they went ska, they brought that second wave sound into the mix and it worked really, really well. And it still does their new albums. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Tomorrow never comes. If you haven't heard it, check it out. But for now, 1995 and out come the wolves. I'm going to follow it up with time bomb. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. That changes what I wanted to do. Cause I just got it in my head and I was like, Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, I know how, cause <laughs> now I know how I want to end this one, which is, is going to blow your mind. Um, but you know, I always got, I don't know why I can't help it. I go, I go back to the old souls and maybe because we, we, we lost him in the last year or so. And he was so, he's, 
been such a great, uh, for me, such an important like member of the Scott community. But Funky Kingston by Toots and the Maytals. Mm-hmm. Like that tune just. Just like you can't help. And then that bass like. And then there's like the drum. What a darn great song. Unbelievable song. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, following that up, I had a band I wanted to include in this list. And I'm going to get to include them now, but I'm actually changing the song to fit more of the Funky Kingston vibe. So it's the same band, but a different song. Same album. I was going to go with 2003's Anthem. And I originally had picked Less Than Jake's The Ghost of Me and You, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. heavier fast scop, but coming out of toots, that doesn't work well. So I'm going to go with The Science of Selling Yourself Short. Yeah. Because that song, song is absolutely fantastic. I have seen Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake on the same bill so many times in the 90s. I feel like you guys were synonymous with each other, touring all the time, it felt like, even though I'm sure there were breaks in the, but it always felt like you guys were just perfect tour mates. Always fun shows, always great music, and a little bit of levity in life, which not a lot of people have. So the science of selling yourself short. You know, I love those dudes. They're so great. I, it's so funny because when we started out, there was, and I, I don't know how this stuff happens, but there was this thing that was like, West Coast, East Coast. Yes. Yeah. And like, we had heard people told us, oh, listen, Jake doesn't like real big fish. And we were like, well, that's weird because we love that band. Like, <laughs> and then we were like, oh, oh maybe, they, maybe they think we're stupid. I mean, like, that was kind of our thought process anyway. We just figured everybody thought we were stupid. And there were a lot of people that were very vocal about thinking we were stupid. So we were like, oh, I bet they're the majority, not the minority there. You know, but then you meet certain people and they're like, I love your band. <laughs> um, and you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Maybe they don't mean it. You know, so yeah, less than Jake when people are like, ah, oh, guys are like, and we're like, we are. And then we played some sh- festival together for the first time. Like, I think Aaron had gone to see them play, but I know the rest of us hadn't seen them. And like, we met the guys and we were like, these are great guys. These are great <laughs> people. Like, and they seem nice. And we, uh, they seem to like us. Like, what, what? And so we, t- we joked about it. We were like, oh. Oh, are we supposed to fist fight? It was like so <laughs> stupid. And I was like, let's go have a beer. And like, we watched their show and we're like, what a band. And they watched ours and like, what a band. And it was like, yeah, kind of like this great relationship. I mean, like I was so honored to be able to play on one of their records. Like the fact that they, yeah, they called me up and they were like, come play on, on state of Florida. Like it, it's, it, I don't know. It just, you know, isn't that the name of the record or is it, it's gonna flop. Yeah, gonna fly, G-N-A-F-L-A, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have it listed as actually both. I think the original demo was called State of Florida because I had the demos oh, and then okay. the, un- the unmastered versions that I put into my like music library. But yeah, it was so fun. And then to just like hear my horn in less than Jake's song was just like amazing. They're just great. I love them. All right, well, we're back to you to follow up the science of selling yourself short. I want to go with this band that I love, Bad Operation, and go with the first song on that record, Perilous. Love it. 
Absolutely love it. Bad operation. They're so great. I haven't had a chance to meet those cats yet, but that record's so good. It makes me so happy. I wish I had a great story for those guys. We haven't met yet. So, yeah. I mean, I, I did this show in 2019, actually, where Goldfinger was playing a show and I was still living on the East Coast and John called me to come and play horns for him. And it's where I first met Jer in Scottoon Network and We Are the Union. And that connecting, like I met Reed from We Are the Union then, mm-hmm. and I met John Graber, who works a lot, who produced with We Are the Union and works with like No Effects, and also John Feldman and all those bands. And that's where I really got into like, I, I met Reed there, Catbite was playing that, Kill Lincoln was playing that. I met all of those younger, great, just like super fun ska bands. And then I, you know, so those bad time record bands that I met. And then it opened up to Bad Operation. That's not an interesting story, but that's how I found Bad Operation. Awesome. Well, I think I'm going to get an interesting story out of my next pick because this is the band that I'd like to... I always like to throw in bands that I think are deeper cuts in every episode, which to you, Mm -hmm. this won't be a deep cut because it's very familiar to you. But to people that are... I don't want to say they're not massive into the ska scene, but they know enough. This is a song that they may have been introduced to by Real Big Fish on 2009's Fame, Fortune, and Fornication. However, I knew the song from a decade earlier from their album 1999's The Elements of Transition. I want to go with Edna's Goldfish, Veronica Sawyer. Yeah. Love the song. This was one of those songs that I was shocked that this band did not get bigger. I was shocked that they did not become one of the mainstays because it was such a fantastic album. And then the band kind of broke up after that. I'd love to know what made you guys decide to cover that song for the album? Because that's not, again, a household song, but it's definitely an amazing and dare I say underrated ska punk tune. Yeah. I mean, I think that was why we decided to cover it. It was like this band was so fun and we played so many times with them and they're such great people. We just wanted to like bring some attention. And that was kind of always our way is was like, we want to bring attention to the people who like keep us excited and come up after us and during us. And it was always about participating in the scene. Like it was the scene, you know, and it's like, and the internet was helpful in a lot of ways of spreading the scene and connecting the scene. And we felt an obligation being somehow blessed and picked to be ambassadors to a degree of the music. As I said before, that it would have, we would have done a disservice to ska music and everything that had gotten us to where we were if we didn't try to shine light in the, in other places. I mean, you know, we always tried to take certain ska bands with us and yeah, that's why. I'm like, all right. Is there more? No, there's not. I'm still trying to find a next song. (laughs) But yeah, it's so interesting to participate in something this beautiful and this storied and rich, but it's a responsibility or, and I don't like the word responsibility is it's a glorious opportunity, something that we are grateful for 100%. Like we know it didn't have to be us. It could have been many other bands and we didn't deserve it more than anybody else deserved it. We were just lucky. 
And so with that luck needs to come gratitude. And then with that gratitude needs to come action. Love the mindset, man. Absolutely love it. Well, you have two songs left and I've got one. So I'm struggling okay. for my track nine, but I got to wait to hear what you come up with for track yeah, eight, which will swing which way I go. I mean, I'm like, do I, huh, ish. It's so hard because there's so many to pick from. And I'm like, okay, it's like, think about your friends. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's the pressure too. Is it's like, I don't want to let any of my friends down. And it's like, but I have so many. Well, okay. So I would be remiss in my duties if I did not pick a We Are The Union song. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think, yeah, let's do Ordinary Life because I think that's the one that I played on. It is the one I played on. I don't think I know. Um, so Ordinary Life off of Ordinary Life by We Are The Union. I love those people. I had Reed play on the remake of Average Man. Just great friends, great band. You know, I've been in a handful of their videos. But yeah, I really love that band. I think Reed is a great songwriter and such a talent. They're just great all around people too. All right. And they're of that younger guard that they're keeping things moving. Yes, they certainly are. And that's now where I struggle because I only have one song left, as do you now. My problem is there's a lot of bands we haven't touched on. And this, I is, know. this is the bane of my existence with this show because after every episode, I do get messages on social media as well as emails saying, wait a minute, how did you sure. do an episode and not include blank? So here I am, but I've got two bands that are floating in my head that I feel like if we don't talk about both of them, we're going to do a disservice. However, I would rather talk about the band that is more connected to this discussion in this playlist. And I sure. don't feel, and I'll say both names because I don't want to insult either one. I actually love both bands. No Doubt, which was a huge part of the ska punk scene. There's no 100%. denying it. They were yeah. kind of the torchbearers. And then bringing the female perspective into it, it just opened the doors for other female artists in the ska scene, which I loved. Then you had yeah. groups like Save Ferris, which were amazing. They're still out Unbelievable. doing thing. Yeah. But I'm going to go back to the beginning because you mentioned this person all the way at the beginning of our conversation. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I just forgot. Oh my God. Now I feel terrible. You brought up MC Bat Commander. So I got to go with the Aquabat Super Rad. It's yeah. tough because I want to include No Doubt. I feel like I'm doing, I want to include, say, Ferris. Yeah. But I'd love to hear some stories about Real Big Fish and the Aquabats because that's another pairing I've seen multiple times on tour. Yeah. I mean, Christian from the Aquabat is, he's like a big brother to me. Because his youngest brother was my best friend for many years and still like one of my good friends today. And so I learned a lot from Christian. I mean, I remember seeing the Aquabats when they were like, it was kind of two different bands and it was a show in someone's house, this girl named Michaela, and they played in the like solarium. It was just like a weird show. And it was just like a bunch of kids sitting on the floor in this house. And they made t-shirts, these really weird t-shirts. I still have it to this day. I mean, I was 13, maybe. Huh. And it says Space Monster M. 
with Fresh Curd. And those were the two bands, Space Monster M and Fresh Curd. And uh, actually, if you watch the Aquabat Super Show, at the end of the first season, the big bad guy is Space Monster M. Huh. Yeah. And so, like, they've always been, like, the greatest, funnest band of all. I mean, they're amazing. And, like, again, like, how could I have not talked about the Aquabats? And, of course, it comes down to the end, and all the bands start flooding into my head. I'm like, oi, vey. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, and and to be... It really meant a lot to me, actually, that my last tour with Real Big Fish was in Australia with the Aquabats. Awesome. Yeah. And so they were there. And it was like kind of telling because we all kind of started together. And like, and they were there for me. And, and it was like, I love all those cats. Truth be told, like, I want to try to get, you know, like Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk to play on something soon for some of the new stuff. But, you know, maybe you get Ricky Fitness and, and I just I, I like bringing my friends into the Littlest Man Band. I mean, the Littlest Man Band can be whatever I want it to be, for God's sake. And I don't have a permanent band right now. I have like four people that are always of it generally around. But yeah, what a band, what a creative fun. I mean, like, and they're always so surprising when they put out High Five Suit. Yep. I remember we were in Australia and Christian was like, hey, can you listen to this? I want to know what you think. And so we were backstage somewhere in Australia. We were just sitting there doing nothing. And I listened to the whole album and I said, I think this is some of your best work to date. Like your sick voice sounds amazing. Like it's like this stuff sounds is so good. And I feel like I do that every time they put out a record. I feel like I'm like, this is your best work to date. So I love that band. And there are two sides to a, a ska scene. And we, some of it, and we got it, we kind of got shit for this every now and then about not talking politics and social justice, but there were bands doing that. And it wasn't what came naturally to us until later in life, you know I mean? And so we were more of this, like the party, which is okay. We needed both. And so the Aquabats are very much that like, but they're like, there's a certain amount of like self-reflection and awareness and lighthearted self-deprecation that comes in it's like we all need to take things seriously and sometimes we just gotta laugh at stuff because if we take it too serious it'll put us in the ground 100 percent. my 14 year old's favorite real big fish song which i probably played slightly earlier than i should have for her is another fu song sure just because again she just heard it for the first time and started snickering and as soon as it was over she goes can you play that one again and that's her favorite to this day and now that she's older, I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. You know, it's, it's cool. But when she first heard it, it didn't dawn on me until halfway through the song that she was in the car. And I'm like, I ripped that bandaid off. So I do want to point out though, one of my close friends, Drew, who is my ska punk friend, we were in a punk band together in the two thousands. We are always texting each other when we hear a new ska song or a new punk song that we think the other person would like. And he texted me this past weekend and he said, how many people do you think realize that Travis Barker played in the Aquabats? Oh, and yeah. It, it, it's amazing how many people don't know that little tidbit. Yeah. The Aquabats were very influential. They did a, they did a, so much for the scene and so much for the industry. And I love the fact that it, because their music is family friendly to a certain extent, you know, with the show and everything else, there's an element to that yeah. that is introducing younger audiences to this amazing music. So I feel like it's 
dare I use the word gateway drug, musically speaking, of course, for younger people to kind of get into the scene. And I think it's fantastic. That's why I, I ended up going with the Aquabats for my close of the evening. But now, yeah. Scott, you get the tough, Daunting. tough decision of closing okay. out the entire night here. Okay. I had two perfect ending that I was torn between, but I wasn't going to sweat it because either one. And then I like realized everyone that I completely forgot to put on this list. I mean, it's like I, I worried at the beginning of the thing that I was like, I'm not going to know anybody. <laughs> I'm not going to remember everything. And then, of course, it's like when I have one left, I'm like, oh, my gosh, because I want to show, you know, I want to show I'm eclectic. But I also have friends that are just a great band. So, OK, I'm going to say what I was going to do. They're not on the list, but check them out anyway. The first thing I was going to do is there is a version of uh, Stairway to Heaven. OK, and you're like, what? By Frank Zappa. That is a ska and reggae version of Stairway to Heaven. It is amazing. That's not the one I want to do. <laughs> I just wanted to say it. Then I was like, you know what? We'll finish it up with one of my all-time favorite reggae artists. It's a good feeling one. This is not the one I want to do either, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> it's Till I'm Laid to Rest by Buju Banton. You can't not feel good. But that's not what I'm going to do. What I am going to do is go to my dear friends. They've been friends of mine forever. I played in a band called the Knuckle Brothers with their trombone player, toured and played a bunch of shows with a band called My Superhero that their keyboard player is from. The guitar player is from Save Ferris, who are dear friends as well. And that it's also led by a female singer who actually was on one of my favorite shows of all time, Parks and Rec. So I got to go with Bite Me Bambi, Let Me Love You. I feel like I would be a bad friend if I didn't, because <laughs> I don't know Buju, and I'm a huge Frank Zappa fan. But explore Frank Zappa. He uses a lot of ska and reggae all mm -hmm. over the place. Oh, God. All yeah. over oh, the place. God, yeah. One of the things that I love about ska and reggae music is finding where its influences are that you wouldn't expect it. I mean, we didn't talk about the police. We didn't, you know, there's a bunch of bands that we did not talk about. But Bite Me Bambi, I love this band. And I love, they're such dear friends of mine. I mean, we did, you know, there's so many bands we didn't talk about. Oh my God. We didn't talk. So many people we didn't talk about. I'm telling you, Scott, there's a reason why there's volume two for mixtapes. So we might have to consider we having you back to, to do, do a volume two. I would love to do it. I would love to do oh it. Oh my gosh. I would, oh man. Yeah. I'd be down to do, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm unreliable or else I would do this podcast. Um, <laughs> we need no other guests ever again. Um, but yeah. So, but by me, Bambi, I mean, like there are veterans in that band. They care about it. They're great. My sax player, Edgar Guadiana, who is also in the band. I still say he's my sax player, even though he probably belongs to Twink Temple and, and the Littlest Man Band and by me, Bambi are just borrowing him. But yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's what I got to go. And correct me if I'm wrong, but are there members of Suburban Legends that also weave in and out of the Littlest Man Band as well? Yeah. So Vince Walker and Chris Luca are both from Suburban Legend. And so, yes. Now, before I 
continue with a couple of more questions. I do want to say yeah. that mixtapers that does conclude side B of our Scott punk mixtape, which kicked off with catch 22's keys be nights, Jeff Rosenstock's ska dream rancid's time bomb toots in the mytals, funky Kingston less than Jake's the science of selling yourself short, bad operations, perilous Edna's goldfish, Veronica Sawyer. We are the union's ordinary life. The Aquabats, Super Rad, and Bite Me Bambi, Let Me Love You. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed tonight in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, Scott, I know you alluded to this earlier when we were talking, but what do you have in store moving forward for the rest of the year with the Littlest Man Band as well as in your music and professional life? So Lil's Man Man has two shows coming up. One, we're doing the Summer Sizzler in Southern California at the Garden Amphitheater in Garden Grove, California with Bite Me Bambi, the third annual. It's a big get to do. It's a lot of fun. We're very excited. This is, we've been, this is our second time being back. And then we also have a show in Modesto, California called the Maximum Ska and P Fest, which is a big festival. Uh, and it's going to be bands like Lil's Man Band, Loser actually is going to be there. Some other great ska bands like The Odd Advantage, uh, Monkey, The Bracers, Hella, not Hella. It's a very different band. Uh, the <laughs> Hellas. Um, I like Hella too, but 1335, Always Bet on Red, just a slew of bands. So that's going on. I stream on Twitch actually every Tuesday and Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and then Wednesdays and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And go for about two hours, two and a half hours, sometimes three. And then, yeah, we're just releasing more music. And I've been doing this creative consulting where, um, yeah, I help people with their creative lives or their artistic individuation and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I've had some incredible mentors. And so the opportunity to turn around and be someone's mentor is really fulfilling. And I've had some really great success with people that are like their lives are transformed which is weird. I just expected to help people with creativity. And it's like, I, I just got a message today that we're like, people are starting to understand their, their own lives and their partners and their relationships and all sorts of stuff. The decision to dive into creativity is we get into our subconscious, we start to see ourselves differently and we're gentler with ourselves and we start to understand ourselves and then others a little easier. So it's really more about learning to like embrace humanity through creative forms than to like try to psychoanalyze ourselves and diagnose something that's just part of the human condition. Well, I love it. And I just want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I've been such a huge fan of your music for so many decades. It's been an absolute honor talking music with you tonight. I thank you for all the wonderful concerts I've seen over the years and all the great music. That's a soundtrack to my life. And most importantly, thank you so much for joining me on my weekly mixtape tonight, man. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been an absolute hoot. Don't forget to connect with my weekly mixtape on your favorite social media sites at my weekly mixtape. You can also head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear the full catalog of my weekly mixtape episodes. If you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash my weekly mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Enjoy the tunes.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.